Come in, relax, sit down, put your feet up, take your shoes off, and get ready to listen to This Is Bodybuilding. It's a bodybuilding podcast, it's a life podcast, it's a journal, and it's an entryway into the hearts and the minds and lives and the souls of the people involved in the world of bodybuilding. My name's Daniel Lansfield, and this week on the show, my guest is the reigning WFF professional, Mr. Universe, and all-around nice guy, Robert Bagona. I've known Rob for about 10 years, I'd say now. Um, we've gotten to know each other a lot more in the last probably one or two, maybe even three years, and it never ceases to amaze me just how down-to-earth and humble this guy is. It's not just about his bodybuilding, but it seems to be this the way he approaches everything. He has this really calm zen about him, and it's something that I, I really love when we get together. Um, this week we talk about competing, and Rob is probably one of the most genetically gifted competitors on the scene today. He won his pro card in France in 2015, and um, he placed second in the pro universe and pro European lineups. Uh, you know that basically that that week and the week after, um, and the you know he was 40 kilos lighter than the guy who was first in in both of those lineups. Um, and there were you know plenty of people sitting in the audience, and I was standing on stage with a microphone in hand, watching the pro lineups, thinking, "Shit, Rob's going to walk away the champion both times." Uh, but his his moment in the spotlight really came in in 2016 when um, he he did claim the, the pro universe title in Orlando, Florida, in a lineup that was about 15 men deep. So I think all things considered, it was. You know, probably a little bit, uh, a little bit better to to do to win it that way. Um, the full video coverage of, of of the 2016 and 15 events is all on YouTube, so I really recommend you uh, go and check it out. It's real bodybuilding at play. It's golden era stuff. Um, it, it's just fantastic. Um, we also talk about his philosophy on training and diet and and all that sort of stuff, uh, especially the importance of good mental health. In all facets, in all facets of life, I'm not really sure why, but um, the audio chopped off the first like I don't know, 15 or 20 seconds of the interview. Um, basically, I asked Robert whether or not it had all sunk in um, that he'd won the pro universe title, and whether or not you know his life had changed, and we sort of just take it from there. All right, this week's episode is brought to you absolutely free on SoundCloud and iTunes. Be sure to subscribe to receive all the latest updates. And remember to head over to Facebook and click like, Facebook slash This Is Bodybuilding. But for now, enjoy the show. One day after, or was it... No, it, it, it took me a while to set in. I think, um, you know, with all the, um, you know... Uh, the hype and everything that was going on around that time you sort of couldn't let yourself sort of settle a little bit so um it took me a while it wasn't probably until i got back from holidays which was probably about three weeks later i got back to melbourne and sort of really thought about it go oh i've actually won the, <laughs> won the <laughs> universe you know because you know it's hard because like you've got all your your australian team over there and your teammates and that so you want to sort of support them as well and it's really hard to sort of i suppose be over the moon when you see people sort of you know a bit upset with their performance and things like that so yeah it took a while for me to see it for it to set in so, so is it is it a, that sort of thing where you can be happy in private but in public you've got to be you know putting out your arm around everyone yeah i feel like well and i feel like like a lot of the guys like they've they put their heart and soul into this and 
you know, a few of the guys sort of didn't get the rewards that they thought they would get. And to me, I mean, that's it's heartbreaking because I see them, you know, I've seen them, I've trained with them, you know, during their contest prep, and I see how much, you know, how much they put through it. And then to get up on stage and sort of, you know, not get the result they want, it is hard. So I feel like I can't, you know, for me, um, you know, managing, managing to get that success, you know, was a big thing for me. But at the same time, I couldn't show how excited I was. So, and I'm not the type of person, like, to me, I think, you know, you know, I, I, it's good to have a win, but I'm not the type of person who would brag about my accomplishments and stuff like that. So I like to sort of, you know, always be humble and give back. I mean, you've been through that yourself, though, where you've put your yeah. heart and soul into it and money and yeah. time and... Uh, you know, especially money it's, yeah. it's a big big thing in bodybuilding that people don't often rec- remember that when you fly overseas it's thousands of dollars yeah. it's weeks out of work it's you know, it, it, it is very costly and if you don't get the result that you're looking for it can be very heartbreaking um, I mean you've been in that situation uh, before though yeah I was I mean um, last not last year in, yeah actually no last, not last year yeah I was um well, you got your pro card in 2015. Yeah, I got my pro card, but then it stepped up in the pro lineup. But I didn't know what to expect. I was just happy because, I I mean, the pro card is something which I, you know, I was, I was always had my eye on. Mm. And, you know, I was happy that I accomplished it. But stepping on stage against the biggest guys, you know, when you play second to, you know, guys are a lot heavier than you. And, you know, so you sort of question yourself. But you also whether, beat guys are a lot heavier. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. Like, yeah. you're, you're, you're probably the, the lightest yeah. guy on stage. Not yeah. the smallest, but the lightest. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I remember, I can't remember, I'm trying to think who, who placed third in, at the universe last year. I think it was Sven Hess. Yep. Um, and he's, you know, maybe um, 90 kilos, probably easy, yep. maybe a hundred, I don't know. Um, Flo Pascal from France, he was a big guy, but you know, you've obviously got that, uh, that combination of symmetry and size and that, that, that's perfect for your, your frame. Yep. Um, but even still, I mean, is it is it always that process of, you know, it doesn't matter where I place, if there's someone ahead of me, then I haven't done as well as I wanted to? Oh, I think that every prep I go into, I try and push myself to the limit. So I can't, you know, I, I never doubt how much I've put into the prep. And if someone's better than me on the day, well, I can't change that. Mm. You know, I've worked, you know, I, I like to think I work hard for to get the results that I, I want. Like, for example, 2000. 2014, I played second to um, a good friend of mine, Thomas Busa, and um, his condition was remarkable. You know, I went away thinking about, shit, I play second to him, what do I do, you know? And I just didn't let it sort of get to me. I just put my head down and worked out. I wouldn't say a little bit harder, I just changed a few things, you know? I was maybe, you know, a little bit more disciplined with um, a few things that I used to, like, used to do. I wouldn't, you know, cheat on my cardio or just small things, you know? And I thought it made a a big difference you know so in terms of guys you know everyone's everyone's at the end of the day going out to win to win a show and for me i guess it's just um you know if you can if you can walk away from your you know put leave everything that you possibly can um before you step on stage and say you know i've done the hard work and whatnot then you can't that's all you can be happy with you know you can't control the outcome is it it one of those things that you know you say um, I've put in all, all this effort and I didn't get the result that I wanted. And I, I know a lot of people at the end of a, a prep, and, you know, they've competed and they've got mm-hmm. second or third or maybe they didn't place and they'll start 
trying to rubbish the people who did place first and second and third. Um, I know that you've never done that, but I mean, people obviously do that a lot, especially when they're emotional. And it often happens the day after the, the comp. Has, has anyone ever said that about you? That, oh, yeah, how could he win? Or why did he get uh, this? Or, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do, do, has anyone uh, ever said that to uh, your face? No one's actually said anything to my face. You know, I've never heard it. But I'm sure there'd be people sort of, you know, um, in the dark sort of talking about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, everyone's going to have an opinion of where they where I should have placed or, you know, where they should have placed or whatnot. But at the end of the day, you move on from it. You can't change the outcome. That's how I see it. Do you, you know? re- do you remember your first contest? Uh, yeah, with WFF, Napa. Do you remember your first contest ever? Yeah, yep, yep. I placed, I placed last. Who was that with? That was with the IMBA. Do you know? Do you remember what year that was? Uh, 2000 and... 2002 or 2003. Okay, so you've been competing now for 13, 13 years. 13 years, yeah. Um, are people, I mean, obviously, I don't know, how old are you? 31. 31. All right, so you're, you know, you've been competing for 13 years. You're 31 years old. Uh, how long have you been training? For a while, 50, 15, 15 years. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, people people look at you and they go, oh, yeah, what's going on here? Like, but they probably haven't seen. And I guess that's when you get onto the onto the international stage, yeah. people probably take a lot more notice. That's when you might start getting a little bit more hype, or especially when you get a couple of titles under your belt. Um, People go, oh yeah, here's this guy, and they probably haven't seen all of the stuff you've done locally in Australia or, or whatever. Um, is it a big thrill when people start recognising you? Oh, it's great. It's great when people start to sort of know who you are, um, or start to recognise um, what you sort Has of. Anyone ever stopped you on the street? Got oh, actually, <laughs> it was funny because when I was in um, in Florida, uh, one of the guys uh, were at Disneyland actually. Uh, Disney World um, and one of the guys go oh you're that guy who competed yesterday I'm like yeah and you, you won the show I'm like yeah he goes oh congratulations I didn't know who he was but <laughs> it was it was good that people sort of recognise um, who you are and yeah. like I could basically just chat to anyone you know yeah. about anything and you know it's not that's that's the good thing about it here in Australia it's like you know I can go to a local gym I can just train in yeah. train in a jumper no one knows who I am which is good or they probably know me by name but not by face yeah. so you know um I like that, you know. When you I mean, when you started competing, you were I'm trying to think, you were twenty two. Uh, thirteen years? No. No, it would have been less than that. Seven, 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 uh, seven, eight, 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 I was always a bigger guy in high school, you know, and um, I was always really like stocky. So, um, and I always always used to be into um, football. I was playing football. I was actually playing um, uh, representative football. I was playing for the Daniel Southern Stingrays back then. And I was playing. Um, I played Vic a couple of times. When you say football, you mean AFL? AFL, yeah. Yeah, and um, after a while, I just thought I started to lose interest, and you know, especially when you. You finish school, like a lot of people do two things. Are they just, I, I like to stay active, so my thing was to go to the gym. Uh, people start to notice, thinking, oh, you're getting bigger, you know, you, you're getting, you know, why don't you consider competing? And that's when I really thought about it, going, no, nah, that's not for me, it's too much effort. I didn't even know what bodybuilding was all about. Yeah. Uh, but then I went to a show, 
Um, and I went, yeah, I could probably do this, and just stuck with it. Stepped on stage, my first show from, had no experience uh, what I was going to do. I, I stuck to a diet, but I, it was something I actually read in an Iron Man magazine. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it didn't work, it didn't work out. I forgot the whole cardio process as well. You didn't know, didn't know what to do about cardio, but um, you learn. And then when you start speaking to people, um, that show I was speaking to people after the contest, and they'll tell me what they were doing, and I sort of put it all together and go, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll just change things up, and that's where it pretty much started. And yeah, I fell into it. I believe it's for me, like it's it's a um, bodybuilding is a lifestyle. You learn about yourself every single time you compete um, and for me bodybuilding gives me a focus like I've been to places you know I've gone through hard times in life and bodybuilding was sort of for me was the answer to sort of get me out of that because it was a goal something to focus on yeah does it keep you centered it does do you do you sit there at work and think I just want to go to the gym there's a lot of, a lot of people do that. <laughs> yeah, right now, though, but uh, when you get ready for a company, do I just keep thinking, I analyse, like, when I'm at work all the time, like, oh, shit, I've got to get home, I've got to do this, this and this. Do you walk past and windows and mirrors and check yourself out? I do. Stuff? I actually, if I, if I like, say I eat a meal, it's just, I just straight straight away just grab my stomach to see if I've put anything, even if it's just my normal diet. It's just the way I am. I'm very conscious about that, which is, it becomes a really bad habit. But, um, no, I do, when I'm getting ready for a contest I'll always think about you know I've got to get to the gym at a certain point of time you know I've just got to train and I've got to do cardio at a certain time I've just got to I always my mind's always ticking over it's always about bodybuilding and like time to me is an enemy you know because I just I just want the shows never to enough time or is it always too much no nah, it's just it's like, like it just feels like it's, yeah exactly right like I just sometimes when you feel like you're ready to go the shows are like weeks away and yeah. it's just like no nah. So, I mean, your process early in the early in your competitive career um, was that all managed by yourself? Yeah, it so wasn't. I pretty much did um, all my contest preps and everything um, by myself. I was listening. Obviously, I I chat to a lot of people. Sean Rankin was a big influence on my life yeah. um, with bodybuilding. I used to bounce ideas off him all the time, and um, it wasn't until um, I thought, you know what, my can. It was actually Lou Vecchio who came up to me and said, you know, you need to do something about your um, condition. It's not sort of improving. You know, it's good to win um, shows here in Melbourne, but if you go overseas, you've got to get really take the next step. So I thought about it. It took a year off and whatnot. And then I um, I thought, yeah, he's right. So I, I dieted again, started dieting, but then I approached um, Eyad for some help, which Mike Holton told me years ago I should maybe have... You know, spoken to him because he yeah. can sort of change things. So, and I did, and it's, you know, I look back now and go, well, I don't think I'd be able to achieve as much as I could mm. without a coach. You know, you do learn a lot, a lot about yourself. I do believe yeah. that, and I always used to say, you never rely solely on your coach because if your coach is not there, then you've got to learn to do things yourself. Yeah. And but th- I think a, a good coach should give you the skills and the information and the confidence in yourself to be able to say, yeah, I know when uh, you know, when enough is enough in the gym or when enough is enough on the plate to eat or what sort of foods I need to put into my body and be able to critically analyse your own physique at any point during your prep and not really do your head in. That probably takes a lot, yeah. a lot stronger psychology than what a lot of people yeah. end up with because when you're dieting and you're depleting and it's just you're very 
drained. Yeah. It's hard to sort of look at yourself ob- objectively. Um, do, you, I mean, do you try to limit the number of people that give you advice? Uh, I, when it comes to when you're paying for a contest coach, I mean, you only with to me, I've, I've people are always going to have an opinion, but at the end of the day, you're paying for someone for their services, so you generally just listen to them. Like I, I a lot of people give me advice, and what might work for them might not work for me. So, what's the what's the dumbest advice you've ever received? I've told someone's told me to eat when you have eggs, eat the whole egg, including the eggshell. <laughs> so, okay. So, so I thought that was quite funny. Okay, that's so, an interesting one. Yeah. So, um, I haven't heard that before. Yeah. Have you, did you ever try it? No, I didn't. <laughs> Can't no. imagine that'd be very appetizing. No, <laughs> no. So, all right. So, 20, what was it? 2001. That was your first show. When did you move over to WFF? It would have been 2000 and. I was with the NBA for a few years. It would have been 2004. Okay. Five. Okay. Yeah. I was trying. I'm, I'm trying to remember the first time yeah. I saw you on stage. It would have been. It would have been. It was at a Victorian show. Probably um, would have what been what year did you compete? Actually, two thousand and eight. Eight. I think. Yeah, I think I was. I was there in two thousand and four. I, I remember and seeing you on stage at the Campbell Civic Centre. Yeah, and I was up against. Uh, I had um, Jimmy Wilson at the time in yeah. my class. Yeah. Uh, we were the only two seemed to make up class four. Yeah. At the time. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was two thousand four. Okay. So that's yeah, you know, that's been a, a long, a long road. Yeah. Um, I know that you know we, the last time you went to the Southerns was that was earlier that was earlier this year, wasn't it? Was it last year? No, oh, no, it was, was last year. Yeah. Last year, when you you won the overall WFF at the Southerns last year. Yeah. Um. That wasn't was that your first overall Southerns win? No, the year before. So you uh, yeah two times that yeah the Australian and Championships have you the, the internationals I won. Twice, so I've yep. won back to back 2014, 2015. Yep, both the Southern and the Internationals. Okay. The Australian titles, I've won one Australian title. That was in 2011, uh, uh, no, 2012. Okay, the year I went to the Worlds. Yep. Um, was that 2012? So that would have been uh, was that Austria? It was. It was in uh, Linz. Linz. Yep. Yep. Did you, uh, for for anyone who's never been to the old WFF? International events, um, they would have missed the the fun being categorised. Oh, it was a nightmare. Tell us a little bit about it. That. It was a nightmare. <laughs> so I, I remember the first um, the first universe I did in two thousand and nine. I went with um, there was quite a few. There was I think there was uh, who was it? Alistair White at the time. There was Blair Loveday. There was yep. I think I'm not sure if Wayne Wilson went that year, but Dave Nazareth. Shelf. Wayne probably would have been there. He's, yeah, he hasn't missed a beaten. Fifteen years. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was awkward because like I didn't know what to expect, and a lot of guys would, you know, all we get told is you got to turn up. You know, it was like five hours before the show starts, and all you do is a lot of guys wouldn't be tanned or anything; they have a hairy chest and whatever, and try and hide as much <laughs> definition as possible. And how they used to judge it, they used to look at you and go, "Yep, you're too hard, so you're going to get bumped up." So yeah. um, I was, I remember that year they tried to put me in the same class as Christian Porthill, and I scratched oh. my head and went really like look at look at him <laughs> compared to me but um yeah it was just a weird process the way they did it it wasn't sort of really really fair and I, I remember like they would they would categorize you and say yeah you're in um say the performance class or whatever it might be and then you'd go back great this is you know this is awesome 
you go back you'll go back get ready the show will start in you know four hours time whatever you'll step on stage as soon as you start doing your quarter turns they'll look at you and again go nut you're too hard they'll bump you up to the next category and I didn't believe that was fair. Yes, like, a, like Michelle yeah. Nazaroff was a perfect example. She got bumped up from, I think, I remember that year from performance to athletic, um, athletic division. She should have walked away, I believe, you know, um, the women's champion then in performance class. So back then it wasn't really a fair criteria, but now, like, I mean, the, the categories now, it's a, oh, it's yeah. a lot fairer. I, I had um, someone ask me the other day about that, and I said, oh, you know, it, it's, it's just height, weight, you know, everyone in their in their class is a similar height weight ratio. No one's more than you know, if you're the shortest guy on stage, no one will be more than 10, 10 or fifteen kilos heavier than you. And if you're the tallest guy, no one's going to be you know this. And it, and it it's very transparent how the whole thing operates. So um, it, it does seem to I guess it, yeah, it's it seems to to provide a, a much more even playing field than just height classes or weight classes on their own. I remember the first year when it was introduced in 2014 in Korea. Yeah. A lot of guys were sort of confused of how it sort of ran. Yeah. Like, um, you know, we all thought, like I thought that I was just in the class, like there was so many classes and yeah. I was only against the guys who were under 65 kilos. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, but no one sort of knew how that actual structure ran. But now it's like, I mean, it's oh, clear. Totally, it's I, extremely clear. I totally understand because I, I remember looking at the, the graphics that uh, Dad was putting together for it to try to explain the whole mm. thing and I said oh well you realize you've got you know class one fitness and performance and class two I said so are each of these separate or are they all together he goes no they're all grouped I'm like right well it doesn't say that <laughs> say yeah. that anywhere so people are very confused and he got really upset because he thought what's well, everyone else's fault not his and I'm like well you're the one putting it out there there's a lot of people who are confused by what you've put out there maybe try and <laughs> try and simplify it yeah. but um after a couple of years, I think people have really taken to it. it. It seems to make a lot of sense. And even though, I mean, I know people come from uh, organisations where it's just height-based or just weight-based or whatever, um, but doing the, the crossover of both, um, you really get that nice depth in every class. Um, Thomas Busser obviously hasn't competed in a couple of years. There's... He you know, was sort of rumouring that he might have done the universe this year and he didn't. I'm not sure whether he's he's looking at maybe the world championships in Ireland. We actually, um, it's funny, we were talking talking about this at the universe uh, this year and Thomas and I and um, Sam Lee who, from Korea, who we all competed yeah. in that same universe in 2014. Yeah. I think it was... Uh, Thomas first, I placed second, and then Sam Lee placed third. And we all said, well, next time we all compete, we'll all be pros, hopefully, if Thomas gets his pro card, and yeah. we'll all compete together. So we made a pact, but I don't know he when he's... He didn't take the pro card. No, he didn't. He should have. We didn't no. take that, and he won the Worlds that same year, and he didn't take it then either. Yeah. And I remember talking to him, because and he, he, he was talking about you, and he said, oh, look, yeah, I didn't have the confidence. I didn't think that I was going to be big enough because there's other guys who are so much bigger than me. Mm. And I thought, you know, if I take the pro card, it's, just, it's going to be a waste because of you know how small I, I am in comparison to them. And he said when he saw you on stage in uh, France and Italy last year, that totally changed his his perception about yeah. what someone can do because it's not about how you know how gigantic you are yeah. or how heavy the, the the weight is on the scales. It's about how well you're put together and your aesthetics. Which you obviously but have in the. That's that's the one thing I've liked about this whole sort of um, 
you know, structure, you know, this height and weight structure and getting the pro card, you're trying to bring back that sort of, that golden era, which is great, you know, any height, any weight, but then it's it's a condition game. Everyone yeah. knows that, you know. So, um, well, there's a lot of great competitors out there. Stephen Bordeaux, perfect example. I mean, I look at that guy and go, wow, his condition is phenomenal. He'd do some serious damage, I think, on a world stage, mm. you know. Uh, he might not be the biggest guy, like I'm not the tallest guy, but... You know, that's the beauty about bodybuilding. Weight's irrelevant. Yeah. You know, I always think WFF is it's, it's known for condition. You know, so. so but yeah, yeah, it's it's how well you put together. But I mean, again, you know, you've been training for a long time. You've been competing for a long time. You've had uh, the right people in your corner throughout your preparations. Um, so it's, and and you've got good genetics. You've got the genetics that, that give you a good shape and I mean people can train for 20 years do all the wrong things get all the wrong advice and look shithouse mm. um, you're fortunate that you, you've taken a path that's given you really good results I think the problem is people uh, this is my personal opinion I think a lot of people try and every year try and get bigger and bigger and bigger and then they find that their uh, proportions just blow out they're not symmetrical anymore they just look they end up looking like shit yeah um well, I, so I, I remember seeing a video of uh lee labrada and it would have been it's probably i think it was the 91 olympia yeah and it was the interviews beforehand or, or maybe the 92 olympia i can't remember and um he's sitting there and he's talking about you know everyone else is talking about how much muscle they've put on and how massive they are and, and he's like yeah you know I, i've uh, i've really dialed dialed things in and I put on uh, five pounds of lean muscle mass this year. That's like two and a half kilos, two kilos. Yeah, like that's all he needed to do. Mm-hmm. And he comes out and, and he looks as good as he, as he always did. But for, you know, for, for guys at a certain size, you don't need to get gigantic. I mean, I'd love to see what you'd look like at a hundred kilos, but- <laughs> it'd, it'd never happen. But then but again, you'd say, <laughs> Jesus, you'd be, you'd be, you know, a balloon. Yep. Like, it'd be, it'd be crazy. Um, and that's not to say, you know, I think Lee Priest is probably your... He's, he's my height, five, your height, yeah, 5'4", five 5'5". Five um, five. But even, you know, even he, he competed at sort of 90 to 100 kilos around that sort of range. Um, and, you know, he's got the genetics that allow him to, yeah, do that. I mean, I, I don't know. Have you ever thought of what, what you'd look like at 80 kilos or 100 kilos? No, look, it, I'm always conscious about my height anyway and how stocky i look to begin with so if i was to get to 100 kilos i'd look out of place um but i mean uh, my i suppose main objective every time i compete is to put on a couple of kilos here and there but you know and i don't want anything too extreme you know because i want to keep my my lines and, and what, I want to what did you compete balance. at this year uh, i was 60 69 so, so I mean, again, that was that, a couple of kilos heavier than last year. Yeah, and I think when you when you came out on stage uh, in Launceston, yep, uh, to do your guest pose, that's probably I think that was the first time I looked at you and went, "Shit, you've really like this is a different package." Even though it was only a couple of kilos, yep. it was a couple of kilos in the right areas. Everything was full. Everything was, you know, really just dialed in. Um, and I think from that moment it was like, all right, it's it's game time. It's yeah, there's no there no ifs and buts about it. You, you know, you're here to do some damage. Uh, I, yeah. Was you, I mean, was your mindset 
like that the whole time or you just like look I'm just going to do this and, and just get through it and whatever uh, the result I, is I, the, this year when I when I prepped for the universe I had one goal in mind I remember chatting to your dad about you know what, what I wanted to do and and um, I, I remember speaking to Ead and Ead goes we're not looking to get you um, bigger heavier we're looking to you know get you conditioned yeah. and you know because when you get conditioned as well every year you know your age yeah. you get you develop muscle maturity comes out even more so and that's what happened and i remember stepping up at uh tassie uh for a guest pose i wasn't sort of we weren't really happy with where we were and i thought i was you know i thought i was on track but in you know that's in my eyes but yeah. into a coach's eyes says you know where near you need to be i guess so. condition wise yeah okay you, but you were still a month or two out so you didn't yeah. need to be yeah. shredded yeah um, it helps, but can, can, <laughs> you don't need can, to be like. Uh, uh, I've, again, when I saw the photos from yeah. Danny Demello, I'm yeah. like, no, just, geez, man, like this is, yeah, you're you're right on. Uh, on I like the to think that uh, if you about to some stage, you've got to be ready at least uh, anywhere between four and five weeks out. If you're ready four to five weeks out, then you can make adjustments according. Um, and that's what I've always aimed for over the last few years. Where every other year, I think I give myself if I give myself longer time, I can get there. If I give myself a shorter period of time, I can't get there. And I don't like to rush things. So, so what's, what's the ideal prep time for you? Uh, twenty well, weeks. Or? Yeah, twenty twenty weeks. Twenty weeks. So I um, I mean I, I my my, I wouldn't say I did a a really uh, I don't really get fat in an off season. So for me, it was just going through the motions and whatnot. But then when it came to dieting, I gave myself yeah, I would say twenty weeks, and it wasn't really. It was just we went through different phases. So we went through like just getting everything, you know going and then we get to about um 16 weeks out then we'll start to build the process a little bit more 12 weeks out a little bit more you know and then eight weeks out we'd go hammer and tong and that's exactly what we did and it all came together in the end so you know so 20 weeks i think for 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 a um show is yeah is ideal unless you're like i mean i know like Stacey Papadopoulos yeah. is another WFF yeah. pro. Uh, he he famously diets for sixteen days or twelve days. Yeah. Or yeah, he doesn't con- diet at all, and he's just in condition. His condition's phenomenal. Like um, you know, some people just some of the lucky like yeah, that. lucky like that. You know, but some people just have to work that a little bit harder. What's your so, what's your usual off season weight? Uh, I don't go any heavier than probably eight kilos than okay. stage weight. Okay, so you're about. 10 to 12 percent yeah I'm, a, I'm about 77 at the moment okay so that's yeah, so, almost 10 percent yeah, yeah. Um, i mean do you look at that and go gee okay it's only seven or eight kilos and i mean you know hell if i put seven or eight kilos on or off i don't really notice it on myself obviously you'd notice it quite a bit that's yeah. the difference between you know shredded definition and just feeling comfortable not that you got a dad bod or anything like that <laughs> yeah. but but i mean yeah. you know do, do you sit there and go all right look, I'm, you know this is enough for me to feel comfortable and not so i think you can eat what you want and still do yeah look i, I like, i'm pretty active anyway um during an off season so for me to be at 77 kilos is i like i mean even if i got to 80 i'd still be i'd still be comfortable anything i think more than that It'd be too hard for me to sort of move around. Your job pretty active, though. Yeah, yeah. So, you, I mean, you, you work for Citywide. Yeah. What, what's the main, your main role there? We can do anything. We can do anything from. Um, so I, I, in my my job in football, I do a lot of work with local government. Yep. So, 
Uh, obviously, citywide's yeah. contracts do a lot of stuff with councils. Yeah, we do a lot of parks and gardens. So it could be anything. It could be um, from infrastructure work. Could be from um, could be from line marking to um, to mowing ovals. Could be anything. What do you, I mean? So, what do you do generally day to day? Are you sort of just hands it's on? Hands on, yeah, 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 pretty much. How long have you been there? Two years. Enjoying it. I've actually got a new job. I'm actually okay. finishing up there on the um, on the 28th okay. of this month. Congratulations! Doing, doing something different. It, what's the new job? Uh, you say? Uh, I won't say. You, what's it? This. There you go. You're, finish, well, you're finishing up on the 28th of September. Yep. All right. Well, this probably won't air for a while. Sort of breaking the, the yep. mystique of when this airs. Yep. But I, I'm going to be working for a company called Cutting Force. Okay. Basically, what they do is um, they cut uh, concrete. They do anything from okay. driveways to uh, to freeway walls. It can be wall sawing. They can do renovations. Anything like that. So. So, I mean, I guess this is one of those other uh, myths about bodybuilding that you can make all of your money off it and live in a mansion and drive a Ferrari and I, I know uh, anyone who's ever seen those old like Road to the Olympia videos you know you see these these guys driving around in their hot cars and they've got massive houses and that and it's like people think that's what being a pro bodybuilder is but you still go to work still go to work you, know, you, you, you get up you make your own food you yeah you know you, you're still a, you're still who you were before you brought home a trophy um, it doesn't change you that much. No. I guess it, the experience probably broadens your horizons, but it doesn't really change who you are at the core. Exactly right. Bodybuilding, you know, if a lot of people think just because, you know, if they're planning to make a living out of it, you can't. Unless you're in the state and you're someone who's in the IFBB, who's on, you know, X amount of money or whatever, you're not going to make money here in Australia from it, you know. And, I think a lot of people get caught up with that. You know, they think it's going to pay the way for for something when it it really sort of doesn't. I think I mean, our philosophy has always been around um, bodybuilding opens doors for you to travel. It opens doors yeah. for you to make new friends overseas. And you know, I could go to half a dozen countries in Europe and South America and Asia, and I'd have someone that I could I could crash on their couch and I could you know hang out with. And that's sort of for me. That's kind of what it's all about. Like. It's, it opens that sort of... It definitely opens up, like, um, opportunities and stuff. Like, I, I there's... You know, I, I never thought I'd go to Korea. I once, or in Vietnam as well. It was just sort of on the way, you know, places. So it does give you opportunity to travel. You do meet a lot of um, great people and a lot of friends, especially when you um, get on the international circuit. Which you what, what was Korea like for you? <laughs> it was frustrating getting around. It was really frustrating. A lot of um, people, lot of people um, sort of being a foreigner in another country, not knowing where to go. And then, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I don't speak Korean, so, you know, but um, they didn't sort of really understand too much English, so it's really, really hard to get around. Um, in the end of the day, I, I managed, we managed to find someone at the hotel who spoke pretty good English. You'd sort of direct us where we need to go so but, but I get, think that, that's often the fun that's, of that is the beauty of travelling yeah, you know yeah. it's it's seeing how people how it's diverse you know it's um, it's great but it, it's a challenge it's like when you go to Europe it's the same thing getting to places when they're in the middle of nowhere 
like oh, it becomes a headache, well, but it's an experience but itself. I mean, how many times have you, oh, you've travelled to Europe a few times? Yeah, and there's always there'll be the, the bodybuilding contest in literally the middle of nowhere yep. in a basketball. Uh, center at some remote town because it was a little yeah. bit cheaper to go there than wherever. And you you get off at the airport, you think, oh yeah, this is beautiful. And then you get in the car or you get on a bus and you drive for six hours <laughs> to wherever it is. To wherever, and, yeah. and people don't see that. People yeah. don't re- realize that. They they go, oh yeah, you you look really great on stage, or, or yeah, you should have beaten this person yeah. or whatever. But you're like, yeah, but you didn't see everything that went into that. Even the the journey from the airport to the actual contest often is a is a big thing in in and of itself. Um, I remember a couple of years ago there was uh, there was a, yeah, a team overseas from Australia and Dad uh, was there with a few other people and there was some yeah well big uh, gang of competitors and there was the option to go on the train or drive. And I think the train had to stop and it was going to be sort of a, a ten hour train ride or they could drive and it was going to be six hours and. Dad opted for the train, and these other guys got in a car. I thought, oh, bugger it, we'll just drive. I think the, the train might have been delayed, that's why it was going to be 10 hours. And the other guys got in the car, and they were going to drive, and they ended up, ended up being some enormous wreck on the freeway, and there were all these delays, and then the car broke down. Well. And they ended up, it took them like 24 hours to get to the contest. And yeah. meanwhile, everyone else who took the train got there in, in five minutes. But I mean, I, I can only imagine what it would have been like being in a car with five dieting bodybuilders breaking down on the freeway, <laughs> taking mm. 24 hours, and they probably ran out of food and, and all, all that along the way. Um, and that's the sort of stuff that, you, that people never really see, and people don't really tend to talk about it because it's a bit, I don't know if it's taboo in bodybuilding, all that sort of behind the scenes stuff, but it, people don't tend to talk about that as much as they talk about the experience they had on stage. stage. Well, but I'm glad you mentioned that because when we were in, um European Championships last year, yeah. so we're coming from France now. France to did you uh, drive? No, no, we caught I caught a, a, a plane, but our flight was cancelled, oh. and they didn't notify us about it. Right. So we basically had to pay thirteen hundred dollars Australian uh, for myself and Liv to yeah to get to um, Italy, and um, for what, what it's was it, it was a half an hour flight. Hang on, why was that $1,300? Because that was the only flight going to where we needed to be. Like, I think it was going to Florence. Florence yeah. And then we we had to get our trains from there. The thing is, we we had to get our trains. Like, if we didn't make our trains, we'd have to pay, you know, um, they wouldn't reschedule us and put us on another train. Yeah. We'd just lose out, so we'd have to buy another ticket. So that, that was the nice. flight, yeah, we had to get, which was a bit of a, you know, a pain in the ass, but... You know. we, we like we had we we left uh, France and we well, the, the I think you La Ciota, and we got had on the option. You went on a bus. Well, we, we got uh, I think we got on the bus and got off at the train station, and then we had the option we could go left back into Marseille, mm. or we could go right and head up towards Ventimiglia, which is on the the Italian French border, and then head down to Florence from there. And we thought, ah, oh, stuff it. It's only, I think we looked at it and was like, okay, well, it's only a six-hour train ride. This will be fine. And meanwhile, it was, it was going to be, I don't know, so an hour back to the airport plus and probably an hour or two waiting and then an hour flight and then all the rest. So we thought, ah, oh, stuff it. It'll be roughly the same time and we can just sit down and relax. We went from uh, La Ciotat, I think the, the train we were on, uh, was delayed when we got on it. So by the time we got off 
at the next station, um, we'd already missed the connecting train. And then when we got on the next one, the, inter- the, 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 the cross the border ticket that we had was no longer valid, valid because when we got off at Ventimiglia and it was just this absolute nightmare. <laughs> and we ended up paying about 300 euros each for what should have cost us about 50 or 60 euros for the, I think the, the original ticket we got was about 60 euros each and that was okay. But over the, the course of going from one to the other, um, we kept having to fork out more and more money because um, we kept missing trains and they kept saying, I don't know, this ticket's no longer valid, get stuffed, <laughs> you're gonna pay us again. Um, and it's, I mean, I think in the end we sort of just regret it and thought, oh geez, we should have just taken the plane. But from what you're saying, maybe that wasn't such a good yeah, idea. It wasn't a good thing. Like we had to get another airline. They basically what they told us, we can't get you. When we they said, oh, your flight's cancelled, and I'm like, well, I didn't get any notification or anything. And they just said, oh well, and they basically laughed at us. So they said we can put you on the next available flight. Next available flight was already full, <laughs> so we had to go on a standby list. And that was the following day, and I went, nah, we got to get there today. So we ended up getting um, a flight, yeah, and we had to just pay. It, was, it came to a 1300 Australian just for the flight, Jeez. so um, it was a bit of a pain, but that's the beauty, I guess, about travelling. You just, you always, something's always going to pop up, yeah. you know, that you least expect. Like the, uh, in France, you know, there was just strikes. How many people oh, got right, stuck yeah. at the airport, you know, in, and your dad had to go pick um, a lot of them up. Now, now that. You know, he told me he was going to pick me up, yeah. and I, I got off the off the plane. I got on the bus. I got on another on a train from Marseille to La Ciotat. I got to the the train station. I messaged him. I said, "Come, come, pick me up." No, nah, didn't hear from him. I think I waited for about half an hour, and then the bus came finally. And I'm like, "All right, stuff." And I was going to get on the bus. And when I got off, he's standing there helping uh, Olivia repair, register all of these people, and I'm like, "Okay." I can kind of understand he's got he's got other stuff to do, but uh, it's I don't know. I think the, the his time management is always <laughs> overseas has always been something that he just sort of does whatever. It's like well, yeah, whatever seems good to him at the time. Well, yeah, that's what we'll do now. That's always the way it feels <laughs> yeah. to me. I'm sure he's got a plan yeah, in his head. Yeah. That's all it always feels to me. And I'm always the one left stuck at the bus station or the, the train station, going where the fuck is he? <laughs> I don't know where he is. <laughs> so yeah. Um, We've got a lot. Well, I guess we've got a lot coming up. You're not going to be joining us at the end of the year in Ireland. No, not Ireland. No. Um, maybe next year. Maybe not. Or 2018. You're looking at sort of. Uh, look up. To be honest, it definitely won't be next year. Um, I can rule that out. But um, good possibility I'll be back 2018. Um, could be the end of the year. Could be the start of the year. Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I won't know. It just depends how uh, things play out, I guess. Um, but definitely want a year off. Um, I've done. I'm sure there'll be a few people who are like, "Oh, thank God, we <laughs> got a chance to <laughs> no, just, do something." Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I think it's time. Like, I haven't really had a year off. Um, I had one year off, um, and that was forced because of a knee reconstruction. But um, yeah, I, I think I want some time, some downtime. You know. Um, focus on things that I've sort of neglected through my bodybuilding career. So, what sort of injuries have you gotten over the years? Oh, you, you had your knee reconstruction. I've had so. a knee reco. I've got uh, full length tears in both shoulders um, in my supraspinatus, um, which I mean, I suppose it doesn't sort of really give me too much 
problems at the moment. It does flare up here and there, but... Um, Do you just train around those injuries? Yeah, I just try and work the muscles around them. I try and don't push it if it's if it's sore, but, um, yeah, I try and strengthen the muscles around um, the supersomatis and that so um, it doesn't sort of um, impact as much. But, um, yeah, that's the thing with bodybuilding, I suppose. The only thing, I suppose... Um, you do develop a lot of injuries, but, um, you know, you can always work around them, mm. you know. Um, there's a lot of bodybuilders out there who's had a lot of injuries. Justin Wessel's one of them. Yeah. You know, he's had his shoulders. You can't even tell. Look at that yeah. guy's condition. It's like, wow. Well, I mean, like, you can't tell. You've got it's f- Like, I couldn't tell yeah. from your... That you've had a knee rake or your shoulders have got, um, you know, issues. Dad always so. says, if you've got faults, hide them. And oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's what I'll try and do so people don't sort of don't see it but yeah mm. um, where do you see bodybuilding taking you in the next 10 years being that you're only in your early 30s you know most bodybuilders these days have got sort of into their mid 40s before they really start considering retirement or maybe even into their 50s um, I know like well Dave Cutler, who came second to you at the universe this year, he's be forty-four. So I mean, yeah, you know, if you if you wanted, you could have another 12, 13, 14 years. I think of, of really good active competition if you wanted. I mean, is that what you want for yourself? Yeah, I think. Look, I just take it for for now. I've I've got no um, uh, really no plans to compete in the near future. Um, in the next year and a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, bodybuilding is one of those things. I think I'm in my prime, so I need to take that opportunity and do something with it while I can. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get older, things do change. You know, yeah. um, you got to think about. You got to put your family and all that first. So right now, um, I don't have any kids or anything like that. So you know, for me, it's it's a great opportunity to get to travel and things like that. So um, uh, retirement and stuff like that. You, you know, I don't think about it. You don't know. You know, a lot of people, you know, mid-40s are still competing or playing, make comebacks and things like that. So, um, you know, there's some really good guys who are in decent shape who I'd like to see back on stage. Yeah. Um, Anyone in particular? I'd like to see Eddie Tanuji yeah. back on stage. He looks, well, just by looking at him, looks really good. Yeah. Um, there's a few, you know, Dave Kerwin. Yep. I'd like to see him back there again. I know he da- competed. Dave was twenty fourteen. He competed. Yeah, two fourteen. Yeah, I'm trying to think what the last when the last time Eddie competed. Maybe twenty thirteen or twelve. It was before my time. Before I'd never competed with him. I so. I remember he was he. Thinking back to that story about the car on the freeway, I think that may have been. He might have been in the car, mm. <laughs> from memory. Um, I'll have to ask him about that, and I don't want to. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to yeah. also want to say something out soon. But uh, uh, I had a laugh, you know, and like bringing up memories about the universe and that. Like I was, I'd like to see Blair Love Day up there as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he used to. I think he did. I don't know how many universes, same as Wayne Wilson. Just yeah. you know, so I'd like to see him back on stage. You know, I remember. I remember like, was it? The, it was the Campbell Civic Center probably ten years ago now? Maybe. Well. Maybe not 10 years, maybe a little bit later, but um, he came out on stage and I was just blown away. Like, you know, he's just everything was round and, and um, the shape on him, the, his, the shape of his muscle bellies was so, yeah, round. 
and I'd never seen anyone at that size with that sort of that sort of shade to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, seeing him back on stage now that he's had a few years off, I don't know what his training's been like. Uh, I think the, the further we, or the longer people stay away from the stage, the less reason you've got to keep training hard and, mm. and all that. Um, do you think that's going to be a, an issue for you over the next couple of years or have you so always been consistent? Nah, I've always been consistent with training and stuff like that, even in an off-season. So to get back on stage, it wouldn't be really you know, a stretch. Yeah. Um, would, I mean, would you consider taking clients on to, to prep? Yeah, to look, give, I've, I've had a lot of people approach me, um, you know, inbox me just probably on Facebook about if I was considered to do... Uh, consider prepping them for um, upcoming season stuff. And I, me personally, just, you know, I'll leave that to the expert. I don't call, I don't classify myself as an expert. With a bodybuilding coach, I given, suppose. Given that you've got 13 years experience, yeah. you've done, I don't know how many competitions, probably 30 or 40 by yeah. now. You know, pro universe title under your yeah. belt, national titles, state titles, and you're sitting there going, I'm not an expert. No, look. Like, I think, okay, <laughs> shit, there's, there's so many people who do one comp and then they're a they're opposing coach or they're a diet expert or they're a comp prep expert or whatever i mean in your eyes what does it take to be or to get to that expert well yeah i, I suppose I've, 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 I've put your trust in them then? well i've got the i've got the you know a, a lot of guys have come up to me look i don't know how they work i don't know what they do I, i'm more than happy to give people advice you know or little things that have helped me along the way it might not help them it you know but this is just things that have helped me but taking on someone as a client that's a big responsibility i mean you've solely got to put all your effort into them and, and whatnot and like i don't i don't want to be doing that you know because if things don't work you're the one to be blamed <laughs> for it or you can go back to the computer and go well have they done it you question yourself go have they done everything yeah. you possibly um have given them or you know or you told them to do but they haven't done it so i don't really want to be taking that responsibility you know i'm more than happy to train you know train people it's yeah. different um <laughs> than looking after their diet training people training with people is probably a lot more fun yep um i know yeah dad always said that the, the most fun part of bodybuilding was just the training yep getting on stage wasn't that fun because you've got to diet and you've got to pose and you've got to be bear your soul to an audience and people around the world and all that it's just that sort of level of discomfort that you have to really bring yourself out of your shell yeah when you're in the gym most people feel like they're in their element yep. and they're comfortable and they're at home not only that who would want to diet with me like what me as a <laughs> as a coach seriously if they know what i do for my diet that'd go that's just boring like it's just fish 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 and more fish like <laughs> it's just no steaks no, no i don't i have maybe red meat maybe Oh, once a week, if that, all my protein sources are normally just fish. Um, I don't, I've, I haven't touched chicken for the last two contest preps. I've okay. done that in the past, uh, and that's just worked for me. Um, and it's just a lot of greens. I do a lot of, um, so I basically do four days or five days Ooh, no your carbs. Smell fantastic. Oh, it smells hideous. <laughs> Uh, Liv, Liv always complains and says, yeah, we got a bloody steam oven. That's what you use it for. And I'm just like, nah, just having steamed fish is like, nah, I'd rather just put it on a pan, yeah. you know, with nothing on it. So, um, no oil? No oil, just straight on a pan. Oh, what, okay, in that case, then what kind of pan do you use? Oh, it's a non-stick pan, mate. I couldn't tell you what, what type of pan. It might be a circle on, I don't know. 
<laughs> I know like, we've got I've got a, a fry pan at home it's one yeah. of those uh, you know no oil eco green yep. things and you just you can chuck an egg on there and at a low heat and it'll cook perfectly and you don't need any oil nothing gets stuck to it yeah that's the um, same with this pan okay, same yeah. thing so yeah most we've well, had non-stick pans before but you've got to use oil otherwise yep everything sticks to it like, now nah, now nah, these are these pans are pretty good and last thing i want especially when i'm cooking fish is i hate when fish sticks to a pan because it crumbles and then when i go to have a for lunch i just i look at it and go i just cringe i'm like <laughs> I, can't, I can't eat this that's, that's, I mean, it's probably as important to to stock your kitchen with good good equipment. Um, and people, you know, in, in especially in bodybuilding, they try and do everything on the cheap. But I think investing in good fry pans, um, good Tupperware, good you know, good things that make it make it easier for you to cook good food and enjoy what you're eating. Yep. That takes the pressure off. Even if you spend a hundred bucks on a fry pan rather than 20 yep it's like all right but that hundred dollar fry pan will last you probably 10 years and it'll be non-stick and it'll be fantastic and you won't have to use oil um i mean do do you sit there and go geez i'm spending a lot of money where i could probably put it away and save for other things absolutely does it does it ever does it ever make you stop and go shit i I really should just give this all away because it's it's takes a lot of money to do bodybuilding even though it makes me happy but i could probably spend this money on i suppose i never really look at when i'm in an off season yes you're a little bit more level-headed and you you think back oh shit i've spent a lot of money during my contest prep but then when you're actually competing your head's all over the shop so you don't really think about how much money you're actually spending you know um one thing i've always said and i said to live like for me if it makes me happy, like which bodybuilding does, you know, because I'll learn a lot about myself. I'll just keep doing it. it. To me, it's like it's something to focus on, and that's I think the biggest thing is some people compete for the wrong reasons. Um, I think I mean, knowing Liv, she's very supportive of what you do, but she's not so heavily involved in the bodybuilding world that the two of you are just this, you know. Yeah, people don't recognise who you are as, yeah. as distinct from one another. I mean, she's got a, she's got a life very, you know, very much Different. outside of bodybuilding through her, her work, um, and so do you. Yep. So when it comes time to decompartmentalise and say, all right, well, bodybuilding sort of sits over there in, in the corner. We've got a life that we can live together. That's really important. I think that's probably something that you guys have got that a lot of other people don't well, have. Well, six months of our life, it's all it is is bodybuilding, you know. So it gets to a point where, you know, if you're dining for a show, you can't do a lot of social things. You can't go out for dinner. You can't do a lot of things. So, you know, you that's... She, I, she, 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 well, she does. So I'm just like, nah, leave me at home or, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's... I, I think a lot of people get caught up in the lifestyle that, Oh, I'm a bodybuilder. I've got to, you know, I've got to do this, this, and this. Well, you've got to have downtime. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't. There's a balance. There's a there's a balance. When you have a family or you got a, you're in a, a relationship, no one wants to hear about bodybuilding twenty four seven, and you can't make it the, your, your life. There's more to life than bodybuilding, um, and you're right. Having your balance, like when it comes to off season, we don't really talk about bodybuilding. You know, we train together and whatnot, but we enjoy things. Go out to dinner, do things that we have you know neglected for so long you know i suppose it's important that you make that time because i know i know a lot of people who 
and I've had this conversation with with uh, a couple of people recently where you know they, they get into bodybuilding and suddenly their relationship falls apart, their marriage is gone, their you know their, their kids don't want to talk to them anymore, or they have to move out of home, or the and it's just it, it seems like more and more people are becoming victims of themselves and their own their own mentality. Whereas you know if you really think about that you know, you're just one person in your own life. There's a lot of other people to consider, and you know when you've got a partner, and when you've got kids, and when you've got you know financial obligations. There's a lot more than just bodybuilding. Well, I don't. I don't mean to be rude when I say this, but I think a lot of people get caught up with. But I mean, they're essentially, they're they're chasing a plastic, a plastic trophy. That's that's what it is. I mean, yeah, you get your you get the um. You know the title of whatever it might be, but at the end of the day, like, what's more important, bodybuilding or your family? And that's how I I've always seen it. Like, as soon as, uh, especially with my family or live or whoever it might be, if something starts to sort of go pear shaped, bodybuilding to me would be the first thing I'd take a step back and go, is this bodybuilding what's making me change, and my relationship changing, or is it just things just aren't working? But I suppose when you're dieting, it's just you're thinking it's always the other person you know what I mean so to me it's, it's a balance you've really got to be headstrong and realize be bodybuilding for the right reasons and if you're doing it for the wrong reasons like what's the point if it's affecting other situations with family and you know, financial sh- you know strain and stuff like that you shouldn't be doing it who do you look up to in bodybuilding i mean is there someone that you're like oh, i'd really love to be like them being that there's probably a lot of people now that look at you and go, I'd like to be like him. Um, have you got someone that you sort of still aspire to or look up to? Or Within Australia? <laughs> anyway. Oh, there's, there's a number of people I, I look up to, you know. I was just touching base uh, with... Um, lived the other day like there's a lot of people I admire with their condition and hard work like Justin Wessels is you know he's I look at him and go wow that's just phenomenal you know um there's a lot of there's a lot of people I don't want to sort of start naming people and stuff like that but there there is a lot of people that I look up to um and to me like family is always a big thing you know um you know, family and relationships are always your, a big thing to me. Yeah, they're supportive. I wish they could, you know, <laughs> come to more shows, but it's hard but because they live, uh, they live in Clyde, so it's a little bit of a hike. It's, well, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Travancore, so it's Clyde, about it's Clyde's. an hour. Clyde's like down towards Berwick, okay, down yeah. that way. So it's a bit of a hike. Um, I mean, it'd take me, you need to pack lunch, basically, to <laughs> get down there. It'd take about an hour and a bit, but, um, yeah, they're very supportive and whatnot, you know. I mean, they've supported me for so many years with it, you know. Have you got brothers? Yeah, my sister, uh, every time I travel to Europe, I'll always stop by and stay with her. Um she? She's in London. Okay. So I'll always fly, if it, wherever the contest might be, if it's in Europe, I'll always go and see her either before or after. Um, she's very supportive. Um, my brother's always <laughs> into his training. Um, he trains Dan and Hallam. Um, Has he competed? No, he's... Oh, oh, I'd love to see him compete. Yeah, he used to be a guy who was um, really overweight. He used to be about... A, oh, he was probably about 100 and... Maybe 120 he got up to. And he's down to about 
or 75. Okay. So he's more into his athletics and stuff yeah. like that. So, But he trains pretty hard too. So I'd like to see him step on stage one day, but I doubt it he would. Oh, if you're going to get someone ready for a comp. Yeah. <laughs> Is he sort of similar height to you? He's a little bit taller. He's 5'9", okay. uh, but his, his structure, I think that if he was going to beat, he would, yeah, he'd be more rounder than me, I think. Um, well, there's a challenge then. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, he, I don't think he, he would do it. He'd want to do it, you know. He's into his running too much and stuff, so. We've all been a fitness family, you know. If it makes you happy, that's the main thing. Um, all right, I've got some final questions. Um, what do you consider to be your most significant accomplishment in bodybuilding? Mm, it'd be definitely winning the um, Pro Universe. Pro Universe 2016. That was something I've had my eye on last year. I mean, winning my Pro Guard, I suppose, that was. Yeah, my main focus was trying to really win it. And, um, yeah, you can't control the situation, but that was my goal was to get it. And I wanted... And it was nice to know that I could win a pro show. Like, I was... That's what I wanted the most. When have you been the most satisfied in your life? I think the most satisfied in my life is right now, knowing that I've accomplished what I've set out to achieve. I'm still, I mean, there's still obviously things to do in the future. Exactly but you're right. In a good place now, where you can use this as a nice launching point for all the awesome stuff. To come <laughs> in the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Have you ever seen uh, Inside the Actor Studio? No. So there's, a, there's a question at the end that James Lipton always asks, and it's um, if God exists and you arrive, or if heaven exists and you arrive at the, the pearly gates. I don't know if you're religious, but um, if you arrive at the pearly gates, what would you like God to say to you? You lived a good life. <laughs> I think you have so far. Yeah. No, um, to be honest, I don't know. <laughs> what would God like him to say to me? Um, it's probably not something that people think about that often. No, everyone's sort of stuck no. in the moment. But um, no. Do you get very philosophical? Not really. Just try and keep your head in the game and Mm -hmm. I think it's important a lot of people get I don't know if I'd say they get philosophical but they get very um, in the clouds with what they're what they think they're going to do rather than focusing on what they're actually doing Doing at the time time. yeah it's always it's it's always important to have a goal in mind but um, I know people who who live in the future are always they're never really happy because all their minds always there if they're living in the past they're not happy because you know they're just wishing things could have been different and if they're living in the present then they can get a little more done uh, you shouldn't really sort of yeah I don't know I I don't sort of live in the past or think about you know what I should have done differently or this and that you know it's just it is what it is and you move forward and that's that's how I see life you know um, you can change things moving forward you can't change the past and that's life unfortunately yeah I mean you mentioned Sean Rankin before and yep. obviously he is no longer with us yeah um, you know was that a big wake up call for, for you and, and you know everyone in that circle that it's not 
yeah, it's not just about what's going on in my head. You know, you've really got to take care of one another. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I used to catch up with Sean, you know, frequently. I remember I saw him. Um, it would have been yeah the weekend before he actually passed away, and um, I just some of the things he was telling me. I just wish I clicked. It's, I guess it's early. it's often like that though. People, you know, when you look back, you go, oh geez, that was that was what they were saying to yep. me. What I heard was something different because I was I was in a particular place at that time, but. You know, I think there's. Uh, I'm just trying to think. You know, there's a, a number of people that we've uh, that are no longer with us for all sorts of different reasons, um, and they're you know in the bodybuilding community. And we often think that you know bodybuilding is something that should make you happy. It should strengthen you. But people, you know, if they're predisposed to mental health issues or whatever else, um, very often it does come out in bodybuilding whether you're prepping or you're just sort of living the lifestyle and I know that um, people can have as many mental health issues when they're probably I think it becomes a lot worse when you're prepping because you're physically and mentally you're drained um, but when you're not prepping for a show and you're maybe a little bit you feel a little bit overweight and you're feeling bad about how you look and that kind of compounds all of the other demons in your head I mean it's a very difficult it's a very difficult thing to thing to try to reconcile in your own mind um, if I guess if, if anyone's struggling with who they are or, or, or anything what would be your advice to them uh, people you're not alone it doesn't help you know it doesn't hurt to talk to people you know talk to people like I think a lot of people when it comes to like depression and things like that or whatever it might be or people having problems they don't sort of speak up you know, or if you do tell someone, a lot of people don't know how to, like, react or how to respond. Like, how can you help them? Like, they don't know because they're in shock. And then most people are like, oh, you'll be right. Like, tap you on the shoulder. But no, it's a lot deeper than that. Like, so it... Well, it I, I remember being in a place probably about four or five years ago now with uh, living with a, an ex-partner. And um, I commented one day that I, I felt really depressed and I was just very unhappy with where I was at personally and where we were at and, and everything and the, the response I got was more or less oh you're telling me this is all my fault and I'm like it's I felt right right then and there that I just I was like alright well I'm totally alone with my mental health issue um, and I sort of had to try and work through it myself and I had to talk to other people but it's um very often it, it sort of comes down to that that you can't talk to the people closest to you you have to sort of I think go you, outside I think unless you've experienced something or you've, you've experienced it yourself um, and someone's coming up to you telling you hey I'm not you know I'm not right yeah. you can sort of relate and you can sort of help them but someone who's sort of you know has never dealt with anything like that a lot of people just don't know how to deal with it yeah. you know they just brush it off yeah. and I yeah, it's I guess it, it can be very uncomfortable as well. That, um, and it's yeah, it's not something that people really like talking about, especially in bodybuilding, because mm. everyone tries to just focus on the physical. But the the psychological, the the, the mental health, um, is something that I think is is a lot more important nowadays, um, because of the the predominance of people either hurting themselves or falling victim to mental health issues, and um, 
it really, you know, it derails their entire life or it ends their entire life and it's just not something that we want to see. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a bit of a heavy topic but one that probably needs to be brought more to the forefront. Um, and if anyone's, you know, struggling with their own sense of identity or, or they're going through a little bit of a bit of a depression and that, you know, it's really important that they speak up and they talk to people and they they find an outlet for that. Um, I know for some people, bodybuilding is that outlet, but for others, it actually brings out the, the demons even worse. And it's, it's, a real, it's a real balancing act between what's healthy for you physically and what's healthy for you mentally. And sometimes getting into the gym and, and training actually does do a lot for your mental health. And other times taking that bodybuilding lifestyle to the extreme where you're dieting and you're getting on, on stage can actually be a real negative thing but at the same time it's a, it can it's it's a positive thing because you're looking for something to work towards yeah. whereas at the end of the day i suppose that's what if someone comes up to says i need help they're looking for something to work towards to sort of get them out yeah. of where they're at, at the place they're in at the moment so it can be good or it can be a bad thing so you're right all right so if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Yep, you can hit me up on Instagram at, um, at Begonna00 or you can get me on um, my Facebook page. Um, I've, got, I've got an athlete's page, which is WFF Rob Begonna Pro or you can hit me up uh, just on my normal um, Facebook page, just Rob Begonna. You don't have Twitter? I don't have Twitter. No Tumblr or... No Tumblr, nothing <laughs> like that. Snapchat or anything nope. like that. Um, all right. Do you, I mean, you don't live your entire life on social media. No. Nope. But, but if if people do in get in touch with me, I'll I'll definitely get back to you. And obviously, uh, if anyone wants to sponsor you or fly you around the world or get <laughs> guest, guest pose, they yeah. can they can catch you catch you on Facebook Facebook's as well. Facebook as well. Yep. All right. Well, look. Thanks for coming in and having a chat. Yep. Um, it's been some yeah some deep conversation and some lighthearted stuff. So. Hopefully uh, everyone at home enjoys listening to this and no doubt we'll catch up again soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Cheers. So, yeah, look, I, I could just chat to Rob all day long. Um, he's such a grounded guy and he has such an awesome perspective on a lot of things. Um, he's been in the game for a very long time and he's, he's one of those, i got to say, he's, he's one of the few guys that just really hasn't let it go to his head um, despite all of his success. So, I, you uh, know, I look forward to seeing what he's going to do next. I know he's going to take a little bit, a little bit of time off. Um, hopefully, you know, start a family and whatnot. But um, yeah, he's one of those guys that I genuinely hope succeeds. And, and you know, there's not a lot of people that I can say I look at and I go, yeah, you know, you really deserve every good thing that comes your way. But um, he he's one of those people. So uh, I'm about to head over to Ireland and England in the next couple of weeks for the NABBA Universe and the WFF World Championships. While I'm away, I'm going to sit down with a few people and record some special episodes of This Is Bodybuilding Abroad. Um, so watch out for those episodes coming up in the next couple of weeks. As always, please feel free to comment, uh, you know, leave a comment, or get in touch with me if you want via Facebook, SoundCloud, or you know, stalk me to my car. Maybe just the first two, I don't know. Um, if you have any questions or anything you'd like discussed on the show, please drop me a line. 
but other than that, look, that's all. That's all from me this week. Um, next time you hear from me, I'll be in merry old England eating spotted dick and other inappropriately named foods. Thank you.